It's your American patriot, DJ Drew Shelton. With insight and analysis of today's rapidly shifting world, we welcome you to the Jewess Patriot Show. Talk Radio's premier Jewish activist, Cindy Gross. Featuring exclusive interviews with today's top newsmakers and trendsetters. Remember, you don't have to be Jewish to be with Cindy. And now, coming from our WGBB studios in the tri-state area, your Jewish patriot, Cindy Gross. Hello, and welcome to the Jewish patriot. I am your host, Cindy Gross. We're back with a brand new show. So much going on around the world in our tri-state area. You don't have to be Jewish with Cindy. We're back in our beautiful studios at WGBB on Long Island. We're airing live in the tri-state area. And you can download us internationally all over the place, especially out of Jewish podcast of Jerusalem, Israel. We're on Spotify and iHeart. And tune in with all the major news stations. So let's get started. Welcome into my Pearls of Wisdom opening because I am Zisel Peril and Zisel Peril in Jewish means sweet pearl. We all had a lot to think about the past couple of weeks because we all spend time revolving around faith and family and uh, news around the world, good, bad, uh, indifferent. But the main question I kept getting asked the past couple of weeks, whether or not you were a Jew, whether or not you lived in America, whether or not you are Republican or Democrat or Socialist, depending where you were from, was, are Jews in a good place in 2023 around the world? Now, I'm not here to answer it, but I'm here to make you think about it and question and share with me your thoughts so that we can uh, delve into this more around the world throughout the year. These are some of my thoughts. This past week, we celebrated Yom HaShoah, or we commemorated Yom HaShoah, the anniversary of the Warsaw Ghetto and Holocaust Remembrance. And people around the world, Jew and non-Jew, government officials, media outlets, everybody was talking about it. And I asked one question over and over again that nobody could answer. So I'm going to ask you, my audience, with all this discussion, with all of these proclamations from government leadership and with headlines on major news outlets and pictures and, of course, social media. Why is there such an alarming rate of anti-Semitism around the world to the point that people are comparing 2023 around the world to 1933 in Germany? Think about it. It didn't start overnight. Little things started to take place the name-calling, the cartoons, the falsehoods in media and education. People were elected into government positions and were able to think about writing and creating and passing legislation. 
discrimination laws in hiring and in the ability to attend social functions. It's happening right now. You see it all around the world, graffiti everywhere, tattoos with swastikas. How could this be in an age when Holocaust survivors are alive, when Jews are in positions of power in the media, in government? We have more Jews in the Biden administration than we've had in any other administration, not to mention the fact that the Secretary of State is the stepson of a Holocaust survivor. And then we see what happens every day in Israel. It's not just one person getting killed now in a family. It's two and three. What are we saying about this? What are people thinking? It just doesn't make any sense to me. And I don't care how many organizations are out there, how many ceremonies there are for commemorations. Yes, we must remember. But we also must remember how the Holocaust started. And we must start to work together, Jew and non-Jew, regardless of political affiliation. Hate is hate. Jew and non-Jew must work together to end all hate crimes. And with that in mind, I really do question, are Jews better off with all of our advances in 2023? I'm not so sure. I see so much apathy in our youth. I see so much assimilation. There are so many young people that don't even know that the Passover Seder is more than a dinner and four questions. There are so many people who are Jewish that eat bread on Passover, which was never thought of by the majority of Jews a hundred years ago. So as I'm asked this question and as I think about the answers, I'm looking to what we did the last day of Passover. Many of us celebrated what we call Moshiach Seder, asking for Moshiach to come and that all good should come around the world for all peace and tranquility and all the things, the qualities that we believe in. There was a little bit of hope. I hate to say this, but the reaction to the Anheuser-Busch commercials made people, regardless of their political affiliations, question family values and faith values. People are joining together and uniting to fight against hate. I know because I'm getting phone calls from people. I'm getting texts and emails from our followers around the world saying enough is enough. We're not happy with the way things are. Our children are going to have less than what we had. And our parents had more than what we have now. So please help me answer the question. Let's make news together. And hopefully it's positive. The only way, though, that it really works is by taking power within your voting rights. And I mean in local elections, in state elections, and in federal and national elections. And I'll tell you another little secret, especially for those in politics in America. Over the past couple of weeks, Israel has made many different relationships grow around the world. In Greece, 
They now have a new uh, deal to sell Iron Dome and technology. We know that the prince from Iran was at the Western Wall in Jerusalem looking to improve relationships between Iran and Israel. And I will tell you, India, China, more countries in Europe, Africa, South America, they are looking for the advances that Israel offers. So if you're going to keep thinking that Israel owes America, you're sadly mistaken because Israel gives a lot to America and they pay for what they take from America. It doesn't come for free. It's a very beneficial relationship for both parties. I will just tell you that it doesn't matter whether you know nothing about politics or everything. If you don't start to educate yourselves about who and where and what is going to protect you, protect your wallet, allow you the job you want, the schooling you want, it doesn't matter what political party. Look out for yourselves. Get involved and register to vote. Everybody else is doing it. Do it with us. We actually have a huge show tonight. I'm really happy. We have three guests from different arenas because you don't have to be Jewish with Cindy, but you certainly can appreciate what people from the Jewish cultures and Jewish uh, circles offer for both Jews and non-Jews. So sit back and stay tuned. Joining us now is Alan Seppos, character actor. You will recognize his voice. You have seen him in movies and in the theater for decades. And he is here today to talk about his latest project that's on Amazon Prime premiering in April. He is a fifth-generation American Jew from Queens, New York. And uh, he's also a successful entrepreneur, and we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. Welcome to the show, Alan. Thank you. Nice to be here. Well, you don't have to be Jewish with Cindy, and you don't have to be Jewish with Alan, because you are a character actor, a supporting actor in so many uh, shows. I remember you on Knott's Landing, because that was really my favorite show of all the the soap uh, shows. And I know so many people still... Now with all the repeats, watch it and watch it on YouTube. So uh, we go back a long way through television. Yeah, it's a long time ago, yeah. Tell us about life uh, acting all these years, and you've worked with some great actors and in some great projects. What do you see going on in theater today and, and in uh, television that's changed since uh, you started? I think the biggest one thing that's the same is the passion for what you do. Every actor you meet, no matter if it's theater, film or whatever, there's still that same passion that there always was. What I think has changed a lot 
in my business as well as in the theater is this idea of punctuality. This is one of my pet peeves. People don't always show up on time anymore, which is just amazing. Now that we have the internet and phones, people think they can call in and say they're going to be late. That's the biggest change. It might not seem like a big change, but when you're on the set, it's a big change. But the passion is still there, and that's what's wonderful. And there's so many opportunities now. We're going to talk about your latest opportunity in Gravesend, premiering in April, and it's the second season. And tell us a little bit about your character, Arthur. So my character, I play a Frenchman. I lived in France for 10 years, so I speak French fluently. And I'm a Frenchman who has a restaurant in Miami. And the crime family from Brooklyn, from Gravesend, wants to invest in that restaurant. So they come down to Miami and things happen that you'll have to watch to find out. But that's basic idea of my character. And it is a, the show is about a 1980s Brooklyn mafia themed drama very much uh in style today there are so many shows coming out with this kind of theme back to brooklyn back to queens back to tough guys uh and and the mafia and um obviously you're not playing uh among a jewish theme and that's great because it, it you play such a great character actor that fits right into all nationalities you talk about your passion for uh french and paris uh living tell us a little bit about living in paris well i loved living there i think if anyone believes in past lives i do and interestingly enough the day i got to paris i knew my way around i knew where i was i had a great feeling for it so i lived there for 10 years food is fabulous the country is so diverse mountains and lakes and paris it's it's beautiful I spent 10 years because I also started to become a little homesick. And I started in, I started a business, in fact, that allowed me to travel between Paris and New York. So I still go there three or four times a year. I've managed to keep both there, but I love Paris. What other projects are coming your way that we can look out for? So I'm working on a few things. The one that I think is going to get the most press is a mockumentary about a group of actors doing a musical comedy version of Scream. So Scream's a great franchise, and this is a hilarious concept, and a lot of people are involved with it. I think it's going to be very successful. So I, I play a very frustrated, over-the-top producer who's trying to get this musical version produced. You mentioned that you're an entrepreneur. Tell us a little bit about your businesses because you are a passionate actor and you also are, you know, common sense to, to make a living also. So tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurship and the businesses you're involved in. So I have a company, a smaller company called the Hamptons Honey Company, we were the first honey producers really in the Hamptons area and the largest. So we do that. But my main business that I've had since I was in Paris, which is what allows me to travel back and forth, are retail stores in the gift industry. 
Um, we're based before the pandemic. We had a store in Orlando. We had a store in Las Vegas. But since the pandemic, we reduced it to stores in Manhattan. We have one in Rockefeller Center, one in Hudson Yards, one in American Dream in New Jersey, one in Soho, and very soon in Grand Central Terminal. The stores are called PIQ, P-I-Q. And we sell things that nobody needs, but makes you smile. And that's a lot about you. You're full of uh, energy and I'm watching you now. You're smiling. You're very enthusiastic about your projects. Uh, tell us a little bit, being that I, this is the Jewess Patriot, there is so much discussion about Jews in Hollywood and the history. What is going on today with Jews in Hollywood, with filmmaking, both in front and behind the scenes? You know, I think there's a, clearly we all know that the Jews started Hollywood, right? And perhaps a role, by the way, that I played was Louis B. Mayer, who was probably one of the most influential people in the world because he controlled MGM Studios, which was the largest studio at the time and diffused movies throughout the world. So whatever Louis Mayer had in his mind, he allowed the rest of the world to see it. So it was an enormous influence on the world. And I think it still is because I think that most of the major studios, I I wouldn't say are run by Jews, but I think that there's a huge influence. And I think that's an area of the world of industry that we're pretty involved in. And so I think we have a very big impact still on films, TV, and well, I think it's good, of course. <laughs> you know, but people don't realize that the reason that people like Louis B. Mayer started was because of the discrimination in other fields of businesses. So they looked at that opportunity to start something. And they've, you know, Hollywood is one of the, uh, because of the successes and because of the Jewish uh, belief in helping each other has helped so many other communities. And you're involved in one of them, whether or not it's the black community, the gay community, the Hispanic community. Look what's gone on this year with the Asian community at the Oscars. So I, I take pride in the Jewish history and uh, and all we've accomplished to help not only ourselves out of a bad situation, making it good, but everybody else we were uh, supported and built up in the business. I, I love being Jewish. I don't, I don't uh, wear it on my lapel and I'm not practicing particularly, although I can't wait to make a filter fish next week, which I do every year and chop liver, but I'm very happy in my life as a Jew in New York. And I, by the way, I have a family organization that's been around since 1925, and we have reunions every couple of years. And it's amazing because my great-great-grandparents started it. And my great-great-grandfather was the first moil at Beth Israel Hospital. That's amazing. You see the things we get out of you here? <laughs> well, tell us, first of all, where we can find out more about you and your projects. And again, the show that's premiering in April on Amazon Prime, the second season of Gravesend. Look for author. Tell us all where we can find you. Well, I have a website, of course, www.alanseppos.com, A-L-A-N-C-E-P-P-O-S 
com. That's the best place to find me. And uh, please come back with other projects and come back in August because we're going to help you sell some honey for Rosh Hashanah. Okay, that would be great. Thank you so much for joining the Jewess Patriot. Thank you very much. Joining us now is Amber Adler. Like me, she is an Asia Slyle, a woman of valor. She is a candidate for city council in District 48, an area that has a lot of Jews from all different backgrounds. That includes Brighton Beach, Manhattan Beach, Sheepshead Bay, and the surrounding areas. Uh, you might recognize her because she did have a little part in... Uh, a Netflix show called Unorthodox Life. Uh, She has been very public about her life as a divorced mother and a parent to two boys and raising two Orthodox Jewish boys. And she has been very outspoken about fighting anti-Semitism. And even though we are from different parties, we agree anti-Semitism is on the rise And anti-Semitism does not have an R or a D at the end of its name. Anti-Semitism. So take it away, Amber. No, 100%. You know, I'm running for New York City Council in District 48 for a lot of reasons. But to address, you know, what you just brought up with anti-Semitism, before I actually ever ran for office, what I last worked on was fighting anti-Semitism by raising discretionary dollars from the city to pay for programming in New York City schools that would combat anti-Semitism. You know, I didn't, there's never enough we can do in that um, way because there's always something else you can do. Everything really needs to be quite strategic. But when I was doing it, I raised a few hundred thousand dollars. I got uh, programs where we brought Holocaust survivors into some public schools and I saw an impact, you know, across the board. I saw an impact every school we were in. The challenge is getting in more schools. Um, I myself in this area, you know, I'm an Orthodox uh, woman. I have two very identifiable young Orthodox boys. Um, one just had a birthday, actually, over second day. He turned 11. My other is nine. And since 2021, we had two different incidents right in the, the neighborhood where we had to escape attempted anti-Semitic attacks on us. Um, it is shocking to me that this happened not just once, but twice. We had to escape from people who were trying to hurt us. And the first time this happened actually was in 2021 on Shavuos at a local park called Kelly Park. And they have a baseball diamond. There's a large fence that... Um, sort of goes behind where the batter would swing and it goes over the area to an extent and there were some teenagers that decided they were going to try to hit us with bricks from the top of this structure and luckily I saw and heard you know them screaming um at us what they were going to do and I grabbed my kids and, and we ran I 
tried to get, you know, other people involved. There weren't really so many people right there. They were in another part of the park. It was Shavuos. I didn't have a phone. Like that was sort of the, the worst situation to be in, but we did, you know, we did manage to get away from that attack. And then not even that long later, I'm trying to think that was Shavuos. And then by the next fall, another time, maybe a, we'll say a 10 minute walk away from there in an area called Kings Highway. We had a man, a homeless man who is really always in the area that I've seen many times in the area. He decided to follow us down the street and ye- yell um, very anti-Semitic things at us and proceed to scream that he was going to kill us and kill all the Jews. Um, very fortunately, Brooke Hashem, there was um, at that time uh, NYPD cars, uh, like an SUV car by the train station. We were able to, you know, run up there to the police and say what's going on and what um, and sort of detour him. Because as soon as he sees us talking to the police, then he realizes, oh, I guess, you know, I'm not going to be able to to carry that through anymore. And he started to pull back and the police followed him to see, you know, what else was going on. But these things, these things, number one, shouldn't happen. But number two, the fact that they happened to me and my boys twice within less, you know, than a year is, is not just unacceptable, but it's something that we have to actively fight back in a strategic manner against. And what I want to bring to the table in city council is that strategic plan, not just, oh, here's a program, there's a program, here's some money, there's some money. I want a curriculum in these schools and public schools and every school that takes you from kindergarten to 12th grade, developing um, internally within people, first, um, like an anti-bullying that leads into anti-bigotry, that leads into anti-hate, like a, you know, like you would do math. In kindergarten, you learn how to add, then you learn how to subtract, and you build upon this skill. I personally think at this point, with the amount, just this steady trajectory of hate that we're seeing, I personally think that we need to have this strategic plan. So that is one thing I'm going to personally be pushing for. Um, and I have talked to many people about already. So you are running as a Democrat. And True. many of the people in city council, especially the women who are minority, are very vocal in their support of the teachers union and the current curriculum and what is going on. I am very excited for you because I think, and I know you work with them. I see you in pictures with them. So you have relationships with them, even if you I'm endorsed by, not to cut you off, but I'm endorsed by what is called the new majority, which is an organization that formed to try to put more women into office um, back in 2021. Now there are many women in office. It used to be the goal was to get 21 women in 21. And the name was originally 21 and 21. But um, they passed that, you know, they went into the 30s they got, and now they've changed their name to the new majority. And I am endorsed by them. And I do have really close relationships with this group, which is one thing I bring to the table, because here I am able to balance both worlds and both viewpoints and bring people together and really um, show, highlight and focus on the common denominators where we can all stand together and rally for what's right. You know, we do have a lot in common, even though people don't, we don't have everything in common. I'm not going to say that. We don't have everything in common with everyone. Nobody does. Even in the same side of the aisle, you know, in Southern Brooklyn, Republicans are very split right now. Um, Democrats, not as much as the Republicans split, but it, it, you know, these, these things 
on both sides of the aisle do exist divisions within parties. But my point is, my point is, I've been able to somehow just navigate this ability to like stay in the middle, bring people to the table and go, I would like to solve the problem. And this problem of hate shouldn't be happening. And since it is, I don't want to just complain about it. I don't want to just make a database and count how many people have been hurt. I don't want that. That's wrong. We need to cut that out. What we need is this strategic approach that I'm bringing to the table. I also like the fact that the other thing that you represent that so far, nobody in my party, I try to do it, but it didn't work out for me in Congress, uh, was the fact that you are an Orthodox woman. And as other groups are getting empowered by getting registered to vote in groups, getting voices out there, you will probably be, if elected, when elected, the only woman wearing a wig for religious reasons. For sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a true it's a true story. You know, recently recently I actually I got some more questions on that. I get different questions. You know, I think a lot of people actually want to understand Orthodox Jews better, but they don't know how to ask the questions or they're afraid of offending someone. You know, I get some interesting questions sometimes. Um I'm always explaining, you know, uh different things like you know, how when you get married, some people choose to wear a wig and how sometimes when you're divorced, you know, first I didn't have a get. I couldn't get my get for a long time. So I was separated, but I had, you know, I had a shaitel and then I got my get and I still had my shaitel. And then I had a civil divorce actually earlier this year <laughs> and I still had my shaitel and some people didn't understand that. And I just said, listen, everyone has different customs and the, the Jews, um, like the Orthodox Jewish community that I'm in. Um, even after you get both divorces, your your get and then your civil divorce, you do keep on the shaitel, um, because it does sort of come into play, you know, different ways. Um, but it's, I'm never offended when someone wants to learn about Judaism. Like if someone wants to ask me a question and maybe it'll come out a little funny or maybe, you know, someone might take it the wrong way. I try to look at whatever someone's asking me just like they mean it from the best place and I answer it from the best place because I think that this lack of education and unfortunately this very just missing narrative not even I don't even say a bad narrative like a very, there's a very missing narrative about orthodox Jewish women you know and why we sort of do the things we do and what we're doing and what we're providing to our families you know even Today, you know, there's a big balance and I'm not complaining about it in the least. And it's not just me doing it. Any, I'd say any working Orthodox Jewish woman, but any, any Jewish woman who has kids or who has a career, who's just balancing. I don't even do think it's so a Jewish much. issue. It's a Jew. It's an issue with everybody. Yeah. That's why I'm saying it's not just, yeah. Right. But I think that, I think that the thing that people are sort of, there's, there's so interested in you know is as many topics like when it comes to yeshiva like what kind of education are your kids getting in yeshiva and what like how does shabbos work how do you just turn things off what if something happens to your kids you know these are a lot of things that i'm just willing to talk about in a very open way that i've you know that i have experienced and i understand how we relate to so many more people than what what people understand we do sometimes. So that's why we have this show because the tagline is you don't have to be Jewish with Cindy and education and communication 
and a connection is what builds relationships to work together. I agree. And I, we have only a few more minutes left. I do want to ask you, tell us a little bit, obviously education and family issues are very high priorities on your list and should be, uh, and judging from what you just discussed, as well as safety and security. What is your main goal to become part of the uh, council? I mean, I personally see you as part of the common, if you were, you know, when elected as a common cause uh, part of that caucus, common sense. Yeah, I'm that. sorry. Not common, I think a lot common of people sense. expect that from me. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people expect that from me. I think the big thing, though, that, you know, outside of these types of issues, if I had to just, you know, boil it down to one other thing, I. I know about money and I know about balancing money and I know about nickel and diming and I know about how to stretch a dollar and bring more resources into the community. And as someone, as someone who's now going to be a part of the majority, I can bring in more money than the current council member can because they're not a part of the majority and they don't have those connections like I do. So when it really boils down to it, I can bring in the most discretionary funding. I can get more leverage than you know someone else in this seat and i can fund our community better and that's what this is all about in terms of uh discretionary funding and investing into the community you know the more you invest the more you can do and one other thing on top of that i'm not careless with money like i'm very um if i put money into something if i say i'd like to give money to this nonprofit for this project I'm going to follow up and make sure that that money is utilized in a very, in the way that they said it was going to be. I, I know what organizations are really good at stretching their dollars and which ones they use the money, but you know, it doesn't go as far. And that's something that I'm going to pay attention to because that's the only fair things to do, fair thing to do. You have to make taxpayer money work. And if it's not working for us, it's failing. Amber. We are running out of time, so I just want to tell everybody you're running in District 48. They can reach out to you on social media. What is your website? Just my name, AmberAdler.com. And you're not in a primary, so you're going straight to November, correct? Yes, I'm right now unopposed in the primary, and that means the next, uh, the first and next time anyone can vote for me will be in November. And well, believe- actually, early voting is October 25th. And then November 7th is the election. So, and, and I do believe that the Republicans do have a primary. Yes, they do. They do. There is a uh, Russian, a Jewish Russian man that is running against the uh, current council member. Amber Adler, thank you so much for reaching out to me when you heard about my incident of anti-Semitism and Orthodox Jewish women working together. Thank you. Thank you so much. Patriot now is another Jewess patriot, a proud woman who is so proud of her Judaism that she has 
embraced it and shared it with the entire world because she's lived in Israel. She's lived in Iran. She's lived in the United States. Her last name is synonymous in the world of fashion because she trained one of today's biggest designers and not only one son, but every son that she has is a leader in their field. Orna Simkai is here. She is the creator of the original Shema Pendant. And one of the reasons that I know her is because I know her as a real Asia style, a woman of valor that we talk about all the time. She believes in giving back. And we met through a nonprofit organization. And there is not an organization that she says no to, whether or not they're Jewish or non-Jewish or Israeli or American. If somebody needs help, she's out there. But a lot of you question me where I got my key pendant when I put it in the Schlossel Kala last week. So I said, I'm going to bring on the creator. Anna, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Cindy. I'm honored and I'm so uh, excited. Thank you so much for having me, Cindy. It's my pleasure because I know all the mitzvahs and good deeds you do. I know what your jewelry means to people of all faiths. I mean, you have a great story how the Muslim community has embraced the jewelry you make. Tell us about that. Uh, do you want me to say how I started it? You could start. I was going to go with that next, but I think start going the chronological order. Tell them how you started it and get up to how from Jewish to Christian to Muslim, everybody is embracing the line. Okay. I will just share it with you the way I started it. I started it when I saw this young soldier, 19 years old in 2006, who fought for uh, Israel and he was injured. Uh, in his tank, and uh, he was on Israeli TV, 8 p.m. when I watch Israeli P, uh, TV uh, in New York, and I saw this young man who his name is Or, and uh, he was uh, sharing his story, how he got injured, and when uh, they took him out of his tank, he thought he's going to die, but here it is, and he is... Uh, uh, proud to be Israeli, proud to be soldier, and he was in a, a hospital recovering. So I was very amazed by the story, and I forgot about it. Two weeks later, I went to I went to Tel Aviv to visit my parents, and here my father holding a newspaper, and I was sitting across uh, from him, and I saw this young man picture on the newspaper. Oh, is it a beshert? I would say yes, because. Thank God, when I saw his picture, I was so touched by his beautiful eyes, uh, that face of a fighter. And I read that, yes, Orr is uh, recuperating in the hospital. He lost his two legs and half of his body. So I was so touched. I decided I have somehow just to do my whatever my conscience says. And I just want to reach out to him and just hug him and maybe bring him a gift or something. So uh, I called the hospital that he was there. Thank God the nurses were very nice. They welcomed me. And that was a trip before coming back to New York. That night, I went to Tel Shomer where Or was 
hospitalized. I came to the room. I was, my heart was going out of my body and I was so excited. And when I saw Or, I was so happy, but I saw this young man, half of the body. I hugged him and I decided, so this is a symbol of young generation who loves Israel and who's fighting and st- and even that he is injured, doesn't have his legs, he still loves Israel. And he told me that if he could, he wanted to go back to his uh, uh, brigade and help and continue to fight. That was 2006, the, uh, the war of uh, uh, South Lebanon with Israel. So when I came back to Israel, to New York, I decided to raise money for him. How? By, by uh, uh, selling small hams I got in Israel, taking $5 here, $5 there. And I come to my friends, guys, please help me. I'm raising money for or. And people were so helping. All my friends were supportive. Then I decided this five dollars would not. And one time I came to Or, I brought the money. After two months, he was so uh, appreciative. Then I said, uh, decided he has a long way to go. He he lost two legs, and he has to do prosthesis and everything. So I decided coming back since I'm in a uh, raised up in a jeweler family. My dad is a jeweler. In fact, I put, posted him on my Instagram. He was honored on 2017 on a big diamond. Uh, dealer, businessman, uh, and, and my husband in that business. So I asked, how can I? Uh, I decided to take the prayer Shema, which was a, which is a very strong prayer, and make it a jewelry from it, something like maybe three pieces. And since I have all my friends that they like good stuff, I decided to make them in gold and diamond. So I made only three pieces that wouldn't be so expensive and will be very beautiful. And uh, yes, I created those three pieces. I'm wearing my first one. I thank God I was invited Shabbat dinner to a friend house and I wore my beautiful Shema with a golden diamond. And here my friend says, Orna, what are you wearing? And I'm saying this is a Shema Israel. They say, what? Shema Israel on a, a jewelry? I said, yeah, I created from this young soldier and I want to raise money for him. And this is what it came to my mind. So my friend that was really, she was touched by it. She loved the story. She said, Orna, do, uh, I want to buy it from her. I said, really? I said, Lisa, tonight is Shabbat. I don't do business. How about we talk uh, Sunday or Monday? So. She said, whatever you say, I'm the first one to buy. I want to raise money for him. Long story short, when my friend, uh, she bought, she's a very prominent and she's like giving uh, the uh, uh, touch to the community, whatever she's wearing. So I was very lucky. She bought that Beside it became very beautiful. So everybody started to call me, Orna, do you have that piece? But Orna, I don't want a gold because gold is kind of pricey. Do you have it for something less? I, I said, I said, I don't. So go make them. So here my friends pushing me and giving me the courage to go after. And I started to make all this beautiful, small and big. And with all my love, I put my neshama in it because later when friends purchase it, they said, Orna, we feel your neshama, we feel this good energy. Some of them, they say, Orna, it became part of my fiber. 
or if I'm on the airplane, if I feel like I'm not comfortable, I'm gonna hold, I'm, I'm gonna hold my uh, Shema and make a prayer and feel safe. From so from and then I went back. I brought money to or and uh, and uh, yes, I did this trip to uh, Ethiopia with my Shema. I gave all my Shema with the Ethiopian on 2012 when I came back with this uh, federation that we came back from uh, uh, Ethiopia that day I gave in the airport I have the pictures to everyone the uh, Shema they loved it they couldn't believe the Shema and they came with the hope to Israel and then I reached out to, <clears throat> sorry to the schools from the cells I bought some computers in the schools uh, in many places in Tel Aviv in Israel around it and even I got uh, the key of the town in um, uh, Beersheba, which I was very honored. So slowly, slowly, it became something that um, people worried without being afraid. It's not, uh, yes, uh, uh, Jewish. It's not Magen David. It's something that you can wear it anywhere, any place. Believe it or not, some of my uh, my husband, my friends that are not Jewish, they bought it. And they're loving it. They're even wearing it by today. Oh, no, look what we are wearing. We're loving it. And people are buying for somebody is sick. And I'm saying, hey, it's not a medicine. They said, oh, no, uh, it's kind of hope. So, and I'm like, thank you, God, Baruch Hashem. I'm, I'm uh, kind of honored. I'm grateful that Hashem gave me something that I think I knew what to do with it. I reached out to communities. How many times I just gave for someone to feel good with it, to wear it. Uh, until today, people say, oh, no, you cannot believe. It gives me peace. It gives me, in this chaotic world, I'm wearing it, and it gives me. So I'm saying, how can it be? I'm just saying, Baruch Hashem, Todala El. I'm blessed, and I'm grateful to have such a beautiful thing to share. Money comes and goes, but when you see that you touched people in a way that gives them hope or loving it and buying them for bat mitzvah as a Judaica, I'm so, unfortunately, I don't like to mention this part, which I don't care. People copied me. And you know what? I'm giving my blessings because I couldn't reach to everyone. So at least them, by copy it, they reach out to their community. community. and. It is okay. I know who I am. Everyone knows who I am. And let it be, I am Shema Or by Orna Simchai. Blessed and grateful. Thank you, Cindy, for bringing me to this program. Uh, well, we're not done yet. I do have a little couple more things to share. Okay, First okay. of all, I just want to yes. let everybody know another thing, uh, another piece. You could be the grandmother, the mother, and the granddaughter, and all wear the same piece or different pieces from the collection, and it's multi-generational, it's very affordable, it's very reasonably priced, and knowing um, Orna, you know some of the proceeds go to one charity or another, I mean, yes. and they're not just Jewish charities, you were telling me briefly how you're organizing an organization right now. If you want to share um, a little bit. 
a group. Oh, that one, <laughs> that one is uh, yeah. I I reach out to many organizations with my Shema. Until today, a lot of uh, like. Uh, 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 Judaism, the renewed Judaism. A lot of people. Uh, I, I'm going to tell the other one, but this one. A lot of people when uh, they buy the Shema, they go some trip in Europe or or Israel or um, any place, and someone is wearing. They will say, "Oh my God!" So it became like kind of. Uh, I would say kind of community of Shema and people when they see it, they get connected and uh, they feel so like, look at you. You're wearing most gorgeous one, Cindy and gorgeous. I love it on you. And yes, I created also the key, which the key you use it for your shitzel, uh, hala. Uh, and the key in my opinion, I created it when, um, uh, when uh, uh, it's symbol, I got it from a rabbi in Israel. I got a key as a good luck. So when I saw this key, I said, how about if I take this key, I put it on my Shema in the middle. The rabbi told me a key is symbolic of open all the closed door. So here we are pu- open, uh, putting that. So I hope we're going to uh, have uh, open doors all this year coming up to us. And... Uh, Thank you for using it in your challah. Thank you, Cindy. Uh, yes, I'll tell you another story that... Um, you have only yes. a couple of minutes. So tell the story yes. quickly because we want to get up your Instagram information and where people can buy directly from you. So quickly okay, so, tell us. Okay, so the Instagram uh, the Instagram is Shema or Jewelry by Ornos, uh, Shema or Jewelry. And then uh, uh, Facebook, I have Shema or by Ornos Simchai. And uh, you text me and my email is info at shema-or.com. And my my um, website is kind of down now because I'm renewing it. I'm going to have soon up. And uh, another thing that this Shema gave me as a uh, personal and uh, I got a lot of, uh, I saw how people are reacting. I have, uh, I'm very for uh, the community, LGBTQ community. I'm very for them. And I feel, I have a feel for them. My son, Joel Simka, created this app of uh, Grinder. So I decided to be a supporter, a mother supporter of LGBTQ uh, kids, uh, I'm co- I'm gonna make a, a group. Uh, everyone can be uh, welcome there. We're gonna support each other because all is good. Having amazing kids, uh, it's God's gift to us. We have to support, loving them, embracing them. So I'm very excited to be in another. I will be an activist on this uh, uh, project that I'm doing with some friends and being uh, happy making it uh, soon in uh, next week. And yes, and Shema gave me this, this Shema or gave me the strength, the courage to, to make and go to my next phase in my life. Well, Anna, you will always be a shining star, a, a key to everybody because you are just so open and warm and welcoming. If you follow your Instagram, I'm sure a lot of the listeners will follow and they'll see your whole family is on it. The grandchildren, your husband, (laughs) everybody is on it. Anna, thank you so much for being a part of the Jewess Patriot. And we hope to have you back. 
And uh, we can't wait for some new pieces because one of the reasons I know the website is down is because you're forever creating new designs. Yes, yes. Thank you. Todaraba. Todaraba on, on this day of Holocaust. I'm wishing only hope and Israel. I'm Israel Chai. I'm Israel Chai. Thank you. Bye. I am your American patriot, DJ Drew Shelton. Look, I am not Jewish. I am just a friend of the Jewish people. This week's closing is a song from 1933. Children from a school singing Hatikva, the Israeli national anthem. Unfortunately, most, if not all, were gassed and murdered. They were remembered this week during the Holocaust remembrance ceremonies. We shall never forget them. Until next time, love someone and be kind. We'll see you next week on the Jewess Patriots. This is Cindy Gross, the Jewess Patriot. I look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks for watching the Jewish Patriot Show with Talk Radio's premier Jewish activist, Cindy Gross. Be sure to download Cindy's next program as well as previous ones available internationally on iHeartRadio, Spotify, and in Israel on Jewish Podcasts. See you next time on the Jewish Patriot Show.